Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. This week we have guest speaker Maya Rodriguez, former Planned Parenthood director and whistleblower. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. I invited our speaker to come. I've heard her a couple of times, and I introduced myself to her. And uh, it wasn't very long when I was listening to her the first time. And I said, I think she needs to come talk to us as a church. I want you to hear her story. Today, uh, I, I hope you're stirred up. I hope you're stunned a little bit. I, maybe you're back on your heels a little bit. It's likely to do that. I'm totally great with it. This is an issue I think we need to be battling more as a church. More people, more human beings are dying from abortion than COVID will ever kill. And this year already. So it's a, it's a hot topic. It's a difficult topic. Most churches don't actually breach the subject because it's painful because it's shocking, because it's controversial, and the church doesn't like that a lot of times. That's not me. You're at the wrong place if you're expecting (laughs) me to go easy on the subject. But I do want you to hear this too. Um, We're here to motivate you and to kind of rally, so to speak, regarding this issue just a little bit. I think it's absolutely appropriate because the battle is right in our midst. And I think it's a war. But I also want you to hear that God is full of love and mercy and compassion and forgiveness, and we're all about that. We're all about restarts, recycling, because he makes all things new. So even though we're going to focus on Maybe the ugliness a little bit today. There's also mercy and love and grace and forgiveness. And we want to balance that. I want to introduce you tomorrow. I'm not going to say a whole lot about her because her story is all about. um, Her story is an introduction. Um, She's a wonderful lady. I think her husband, Hector, he's pretty magnificent as far as I can tell, too. I like him more and more every time I hear her. Would you welcome uh, Myra Rodriguez this morning? (laughs) Absolutely. Let's do this. I have to put my timer because I just keep talking and talking and talking. My mom has a name for it in Spanish. So my name is Myra Rodriguez. Thank you so much for being here. You have no idea what an honor and a blessing it is for me to come and share my story with all of you. Because I think this is where we started all, a church. Because that's her other home, right? That's her number one home. So to start this topic and for me to be able to bring my story. Now I'm going to say something. At the previous service I said if you hear my Salma Hayek accent because we're both Mexican. So I will go very slow because I know that helps you understand me better. I love my accent, I'm sorry, but I'm bilingual. So, 
my story, I'm not going to say it's a pretty story, but it is an amazing story. Because it is um, the love of God that helped me go through everything, but also the love of my community, the love of my church, and the love of the people. I would not be here without all the prayers of all of you who prayed for me. I would not be here without God, obviously, who will be here. Right? But I mean, what Jesus has done through me, it really amazes me every day. Because I was just there at El Paso, Texas yesterday for the March for Life, and then in D.C. the week before, and then in Phoenix, Arizona the Saturday before. So I was on a roll. I'm like, let's do it, Tucson. So it is amazing. I love my life. But it's a story of conversion. So I am Mexican, if you didn't notice. I was born in Mexico City, and then I moved to this country when I was only 18 years of age with a tourist visa. And I had a dream when I was a child, and that was to become a doctor and work in the medical field. Obviously, the dream didn't happen because I was in a foreign country. There was no dream act. I couldn't go to university, so I did attend community college in Phoenix, Arizona. But I still had the dream to work in the healthcare field. And someone opened the door for that dream. And I was like, oh, how amazing. I was hired to help women. And I was hired because I was immigrant, and I was hired because I'm bilingual, and I can attract the immigrant community to their doors because they're here to help women. And that's Planned Parenthood. I was hired in the year 2000 in Planned Parenthood. With that, I don't want you to guess my age. I'm in the 40s. But I was hired by Planned Parenthood to help women. And so that's what I was told. It was the American dream to me. But not also the American dream, it was the dream to help and be in the healthcare field that I truly loved since I was a child. And for many years I dedicated passionately to help women with birth control and preventive care service. And how many of you have heard people saying that Planned Parenthood does some good stuff? I defended that statement all the time. I don't do abortions. My clinic doesn't do abortions. We protect women with preventive care services, right? We help women who can't go anywhere else, right? Like the immigrant community who, you know, most Latin American people are very pro-life and very strong family. One thing you should know about, probably if you have friends that are, which I'm sure you do because you're in Tucson, right? We love big families. That's who we are. That's our culture. We like to say that we have 50 cousins. I do have 50 cousins. <laughs> Just from one side, like my mom's side. <laughs> The other side has like 27. But we love that about our culture. That's who we are. And that's one thing abortion wants to get rid of, our big family culture. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise you that I was hired to attract the immigrant community history and Planned Parenthood says that. Margaret Sanger founded the first clinic in Harlem, New York in 1938 to get rid of black people because they were immigrating and they wanted to stop that. And she hired black people so they will feel comfortable. So that's what they do. It's the way they do business. But I didn't see that yet. All I saw that I was helping women. And I worked like that for 16 years. And on the year 2016, I was named employee of the year. And I know you may have heard that from someone else's story. 
because I was so passionate and dedicated. And by this, I was already director of two clinics, Flagstaff, Arizona, and Phoenix, North Phoenix. I was directing both of those clinics because I was so good at my job and I defended them above everything because I was grateful. Because one thing that some of you may have Mexican friends now, we're very grateful for the opportunity we get when we're in this country. And we work harder than anyone else and I was like that. I didn't only give 100% to Plum Park, I gave 150% of my time. Sometimes putting my family in second spot to help reproductive freedom. The romantic way to call abortion now, like Pastor said. But then that all changed. All that, you know, my mother, we're Catholic, and my mother is very devoted. And I remember when she heard, but they kill babies there. They do abortions. I will be quick to tell her, no, mom, I don't. At the clinics I'm at, we don't do abortions. And that's how I quiet her conscience for many years. Mom, where we're at, we don't do abortions. I have nothing to do with abortions. My salary doesn't even come from abortions. Naive, you may say, right? Yes, I was being very naive. Like many people where they say, but I only go to the clinic that doesn't do abortions. I only get my birth control from them. I only get my pap smear from them. No matter what we get from them, we are supporting abortion. Because that's their business. So one day, after many years of being the devoted and loyal employee, I mean, I was so loyal to them. They sent me to D.C. along with Cecile Richard, their former national CEO, to fight for them in Congress when Trump was going to defund them. Because my clinics were going to be affected, so I went there, and they sent me between um, to represent the state of Arizona, New Mexico, and California to speak up about the funding that we needed to help women. Because I truly believe that. The end of 2016 came, and they said, Myra, we need you to become the director of the biggest abortion clinic in the state of Arizona. And if my legs are shaking now, they were shaking even worse back then. I was like, no, thank you. No, thank you. I had been away from abortion the entire time I had been with them. I didn't want it then. I mean, if you think anyone grows up and says, when I grow up, I want to be the director of the biggest abortion clinic, no, no one does. Because no abortion worker says, I want to work at an abortion clinic. We fall into the wrong hands. And I mean, part of my mission today is to tell you that we're not able. The people working inside are not able. They are loved by God, too. We're just very confused and in a dark place, and we don't know what we're doing. But I have seen the damage of abortion, and I have seen the darkness of abortion. Because I did end up becoming the director of that big abortion clinic in Arizona, the Glendale facility. And then right away, I started seeing what many of you have seen if you're in the pro-life movement. What you have been talking about, and then I had not been seen. Because I was in the dark. And I was in the dark because I was being selfish. I'm going to be honest with you. I was being very selfish because God tried. Did you know him? He tries and tries and tries to open your eyes. And we're just like, I'm not going to look that way. I know what you want me to see, but I'm just going to keep pretending I don't see what you're talking about. But he kept insisting on me. He never gave up. And the people outside praying never give up either. So then I took over that clinic. And then I, the first thing I saw was the amount of money deposited daily. This is a business. 
This is not to help women. You know, when you hear 3% of the abortion, 3% of the money is from abortion services, it's a big lie. It is not. The second thing I start seeing is the damage of abortion, how women get, were getting hurt, specifically by one abortionist, but I mean, it's not that the rest were any different. The daily perforations that were happening at the clinic, and I say daily, I promise you, daily a woman gets perforated in abortion. The complications not being reported. The statutory rapes not being reported, that they don't follow the laws. The state of Arizona is one of the few conservative states that has laws in place to protect women in abortions. Well, they don't follow them. You know, the sad part is no one is even making sure that they follow them. So I saw them break the law, and I started speaking up, and I started speaking up. People were telling me, Myra, stop. He's the abortionist. You're going to get fired. Because, I mean, without an abortionist, there's no abortion. There's no business, right? So who cares about the... 17-year-old employee that has been there for loyal to them for 17 years, working so hard. It doesn't matter. He does the abortions, not you. You're easy to replace. And then I started speaking up and speaking up until one day there was the last drop. And I know because everyone asked me, well, Myra, what was it? That, like, that's it. There was this 19-year-old girl that came through the doors of Planned Parenthood. And she was 14 weeks pregnant. My daughter back then was 18 years of age. And she had her abortion. And it was an incomplete abortion. One of the staff members brought it to my attention, Myra. I already told him it's not complete. We're missing the head. And he doesn't care. He's moving on to the next patient. And she was afraid of being fired. And see, I emphasize a lot about her story that she came up to my office, because even though she has not come forward publicly. She cared about that patient. And like I said just a few minutes ago, part of my mission is to make sure that you know that they're not evil, that the people working inside there are not evil, that we need to keep praying for them, just like many people prayed for me, that God still loves them even though they're there. And that some of them really think they're doing the right thing. Like for many years, I thought that woman really needed the abortion, right? That 16-year-old really needed the abortion so she can continue her education. That mother of three really needed to have that abortion because she couldn't afford to have that poor kid. And the, those kids were better off not being in this world to suffer. And a lot of them really think that. They really think they're helping women making that decision. But we're wrong. You know we're wrong. We don't know we're wrong when we're inside there because we can't see it. Sometimes because we don't want to see it, it's inconvenient, right? And some others because we, they truly can't see what we're doing. But in this case, this employee was really worried about what will happen to that girl because see, what would happen to that girl if she would left the clinic with the baby here inside it, she would have gotten a septicemia and died. And that's how many women have died from abortions. So I went to the back and I said to the doctor, it seems you're not done, you're missing parts of the baby body, you're missing the head. And he said, go look in the trash. Like if I was bothering him. Like if a baby head was trash, like another of his gods that he had used in another of his instruments. And that didn't. It could have been my 18-year-old daughter in there. It could have been the baby from my daughter. Now we hear from Pastor how it feels as a grandparent. I'm sure a lot of you here are grandparents. And at that moment, I was like, if that was my daughter, I would want someone to speak up and do something. 
So he finally agreed to check the girl and he did perform another abortion on her to remove the head. So that girl, that 19 year old had two abortions in less than 30 minutes and he didn't even document it. So because he will falsify patient chart. And he was the director of all the clinics in the state of Arizona. So he was in charge of not only documented complications, but actually reporting them to the state department for statistics. And you see how our statistics are failing us if we depend on abortionists to be truthful. So I left the clinic that day and I called my supervisor and I said, no more, no more. I will do something about it if you do. If I have to go to the State Department, if I have to go to the Federation, Planned Parenthood Federation, if I go to the medical board, wherever I need to go, but this will stop. So then I got fired. On October 3rd of 2017, Planned Parenthood fired me, accusing me of having narcotics on my desk while I was out. So yeah, it's like you have three offices, right? You're in one of your offices, but you haven't been to that office in a couple of days. And then last Friday, well, you were not there, we found narcotics in your desk. And I knew right away where this was going. They wanted to set me up. And you see, I had a bigger problem. I wasn't documented, meaning I'm an immigrant and didn't have the proper documents to work. They knew that. They hired me like that. I've worked for them for 17 years. So they knew, let's sit up, put drugs on the desk of the Mexican, and who will doubt that? And I knew I had to do something, but I didn't know what, because I was just an immigrant. What can I do, just me, against the giant multi-billion dollar international corporation? They have big lawyers. And I mean, one of the big lawyers is that during my lawsuit, they came from New York, big cases, you know, like, I'm like, oh my God, those are big files. Yes, because I was fired. And I will tell you a story about this lady who was praying outside of the clinic. She has been praying outside of Planned Parenthood in Phoenix for over 20 years. I remember I saw her the first time and I asked, what was she doing? And someone told me, she has nothing to do, she's just praying. So when I took over the Glendale Facina, I saw her praying there. And I said, really, she has nothing to do. She's still here 20 years later. You know, but she has a lot to do. She just wants to pray for people, the people inside and the people having abortions. And she was praying for me. So then October 4th, 5th came and she didn't see Myra. And Myra was dedicated, right? I was always there. I was the first one, the last one, seven days a week. She's like, where did she go? I mean, who does that, right? Who? worries about the director of the abortion clinic. She did. And she found her way to get a hold of me and we talked and she invited me for lunch and she invited me for emotional heat and I needed God more than ever because I had so much hate on my heart that I was afraid of that hate because I did, I did the right thing by speaking up and he was still inside. I had no job. And my world was literally just crumbling down. And he was still harming women. So then we found my lawyer, Tim Casey. And I went up to him and I told him my story. And I mean, you can't, I mean, my story sounds like a novella. That's the Mexican soap opera, right? So when I go into the office and I tell him this novella, and he's like, I believe you. I'm like, really? I had proof. And he's like, I will believe you and I will defend you. And it wasn't easy to take that. You know, going against um, an employer lawsuit, I mean, most of you can imagine it's hard. Being a whistleblower, it's hard. In Spanish, we, they call them chismosos. 
You know, being a whistleblower is really hard. A lot of people were like, if you do this, you will never be hired by anyone else to work because no one likes whistleblowers. It's sad, right? You know, today when some people tell me, like yesterday when they introduced me, uh, I was their keynote speaker in El Paso, Texas, and when they introduced me and they say, the heroic Mayra Rodriguez, every time I hear that, that word, I say, why? Why am I the hero? I only did the right thing. Speaking up is not a choice. It's an obligation. Why am I the hero if all I did was do the right thing? I shouldn't be called a hero because I did the right thing. It's sad because speaking up, it's not common in our world today. We all stay quiet. And just like the pastor was saying, you know, we don't bring certain topics or certain, you know, because it's politically incorrect. We don't speak up what we think is politically incorrect. Someone may get offended. Someone may not like you. A lot of people don't like me today, I promise you. From all aspects of my life, from family to friends to the public world, you know, because also when you do this kind of thing, your private life goes away. Like, poor husband of mine, he's, I like him a lot every day too. <laughs> because, you know, we just don't, there's no more private life. That's why I live in Maricopa. So I started this lawsuit on October of 2017, and it lasted two years. And it was hard. I mean, you have no idea how many people say, you'll never beat them. I mean, come on, be realistic. Who can beat Planned Parenthood? No one can. No one beats Planned Parenthood in court. Hardly anyone even takes them to court. Well, I have a really strong weapon, I said. He's with me. He is with me, he knows I'm speaking the truth, he's behind me, and he's the one who pulled me out of there. I like to say that I was at the wrong place at the right time to see what I had to see. Because only him can do it all, and he made me see what no one else could. Like, no one else praying outside that will tell me this is happening made me see that, right? So then... We won that lawsuit in August of 2019 against a lot. And the jury during my lawsuit were all pro-choice. You know, if you have ever been in a trial, jury selection, oh, I don't know if you have ever been a juror, but the jury selection is hard. It's like 100 people or I think a few extra in case someone calls out or doesn't show up. But they go through 100 people asking them questions and basically asking them if they like you or hate you. And the things I had to hear from those people on, um, that were coming in, being requested to be the jurors, I mean, they were really hard on me, some of them. Most of them because I was Mexican, not because I had been in an abortion clinic. But they were hard, and, and it was a very hard time for me to hear all these people and how much hate there is. You know, so then when they selected these people and they were all pro-choice, I'm like, oh, Jesus, help us, please. But he did. You know, and my, I remember my lawyer, Tim Casey, um, said to me, don't worry. Because then when we convince the jury, that's the people your story needs to convince. The pro-abortion side. And that's what I always say. I'm not here to preach to the choir. I'm here to talk to the pro-abortion side, to tell them my story so they can see what I have seen. Because I was in that darkness too. So then we won, right, against a lot. The verdict was unanimous, which if you guys know what I'm talking about, you know it's very hard to get, right? 
and they awarded me $3 million against Planned Parenthood. Now, that is a second story. If you know Planned Parenthood, you know it's very hard to get anything out of them. But that's what I needed. And I didn't need that, not for money, not for fame, not to be called heroic. But I needed that as proof. Because see, what has happened before is that many former abortion workers have come out, spoke their story, and then Planned Parenthood very quickly comes and dismisses part of their story or hold their whole story or, or starts telling people it's not true, blah, 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 gives their side of the story. So I needed proof. I needed legal proof. And that was the first step. Because I had made a promise to God and Jesus, when, when he got me out of there and I said, I will dedicate my life the rest of my life to defend the unborn and to defend women. Because, see, I got into the job thinking that I was going to help women, that I was going to do good by them. Because my main concern has always been the protection of women because we're the base of everything. Sorry, guys, but we are. I mean, without us, none of you will be here. <laughs> so we have to protect the woman first, right? If we want these families and if we want these babies. And that's what my main goal has always been. So I had to speak up. And I have to speak up to those women that are being fooled by an abortion industry that tells them that you cannot be a lawyer and be a mother. By an abortion industry that tells them that you cannot accomplish anything by being a mother. I don't know about you, but I'm a mother and I have accomplished a lot of things. Because all we need is God to have that strength to accomplish things. So then I made it my goal to tell people my story, and I needed that legal proof. So now I have the legal proof. I left Planned Parenthood. Now I'm starting my pro-life advocacy. I always say, like, I came out, you know, as a pro-life speaker um, back in 2020. And I made it my mission not only to stay in our land in America, but across the globe. And I am grateful and very blessed to say that with the help of God, my story has traveled across the globe. It has made it to Spain, Ireland, um, India, um, Latin America, all over Latin America. Because guess who else travels across the globe? Planned Parenthood. Most people think Planned Parenthood is only an American problem. No, it's not. Planned Parenthood is international. They have more affiliates than McDonald's has locations in the world. And we are their bigger donors. Because, see, the Hyde Amendment, and I don't know if you guys... Some of you know what the Hyde Amendment is, but it's what protects our money to be used for abortions in our land. But there's nothing that protects our money to be used for abortions across the globe. And we are their bigger donors. And I welcome you just to search IPPF, International Pampering Federation, and their affiliates. They're very proud of them. I mean, their affiliate in Colombia is called Pro Familia. Like everything against family, right? So, I made a decision, if Planned Parenthood is known internationally, my story has to be known international too. I mean, thankfully I do speak Spanish. I'm trilingual because I speak Spanglish too. <laughs> so, but I'm able to speak in both languages and tell my story and then people hear me. And I have been grateful and blessed by God to have testified in many Supreme Courts across Latin America because Planned Parenthood is pushing to legalize abortion in every single country, especially, you will find funny how the closer we get to Overton Road versus Way, the closer they got to legalize abortion all over Mexico. Because what will happen if we're able to get rid of abortion here in our land? All they have to do is open a clinic in Nogales. 
they got our kids, right? What is it, two hours, an hour and a half? I mean, many of our kids go to Rocky Point for partying and stuff like that. We all do, right? Um, who loves Rocky Point? I love Rocky Point. I will give you the tip for a few good tacos later. Just come see me outside. But our kids will go there and find these clinics, right? And they're counting on that. So I think it's awesome what your pastor is doing. I mean, it's very encouraging to me because I had had, you won't believe it, but it's easier to get into some schools than to get inside the church to talk about this. It shouldn't be that way, right? It should be the first place where we tell women we're here for you. So then the kids like the 19-year-old in New Mexico that threw her baby in the trash wouldn't happen because her community was behind her to tell her we are here. And she would have had someone to turn into when that happened and to tell him, help me. But that's what we need to do as a community. We cannot depend on our government officials to see if they will stick by their word and help us fight abortion. We have to fight abortion here with God by our side, in our church, in our homes, and raise pro-life women and raise pro-life men and teach them the sanctity of life, something I have learned through my conversion. Because, yeah, this is a story of conversion. This is a story that only God could have written. I am the example of his mercifulness, the forgiveness that he has had. And, you know, I, I still, there's days that I ask him, why? Why are you so good to me if I've been so bad? How could you have blessed me with such a wonderful husband and help my kids, my family, all, hurt, all healthy? And then you bless me to see the love of everyone that meets me through my path and that here's my story and they don't hate me. I mean, like I said, I do have some haters. Especially now, I guess there's another Myra Rodriguez that was involved in some sort of events in D.C. I'm not even going to bring up the date because to me it's the Wiseman Day, you know, because I'm Mexican. We celebrate that big. And, um, and then I start getting really weird messages. I'm like, wait, what? So that's why my social media is called The Real Minor Rodriguez, just because there's too many Rodriguez. But I am so grateful what he has done in my life. But the fight is not over. Even if we overturn Roe versus Wade, especially Tucson. Tucson is so close to me, to my heart, because the doctor that I accused, Dr. X, on my lawsuit, and some people, as I can give you his name, um, has done abortions in your town, in your city for over 20 years. He still continued to do abortions here. I have tried to go and put complaints on his license and everything. It, it has been very hard. And I, have, I promise you I have worked tirelessly to do this. But that's how the abortion industry it is very well protected by our government, by our elected officials, just like he described Newsom. Newsom in, they have backed up Newsom for such a long time that it is time for him to pay back everything they invested on his political career. The bill he's trying to pass in California, just to give you an example, because when I talk about California, I'm like, well, that's California. We cannot let, I know we all love this, we cannot let Arizona become California. We cannot let that happen. Because the bill he's trying to pass, a $40 billion bill that will be coming out of the taxpayer money, not his personal paycheck or bank account, 
to pay for any woman to travel from any part of the country where abortion will be illegal at any stage of her pregnancy to have an abortion for free in the state of California with everything paid for from traveling expenses to room and board. But they don't care about women. You will think, oh, because they care so much about women. No, they don't. It's a business. They care about the abortion business. They care about the abortion industry. So we cannot depend on these elected officials. All we have to do is ask God. That's what I do. I mean, you didn't see this, but right before he called my name, I pray and said, please just put the right words in my mouth. Let me get through these people, please. And if we ask that from him, he will guide us and he will take us where we have to go. And then we will have the right person at the right time, you know, and be in the, maybe in the wrong place at the right time to help someone else. But we have to start here in our church. So, so many people may not like what the pastor has done, which is bringing here the whistleblower from Phoenix to speak about abortion. But it encouraged me so much. Because I had hard, such a hard time to get into churches to tell my story that it's encouraging to know that there is pastors that care. There is the God speaking through them. And God is telling them, this is what I need my church to do. Because the most vulnerable, the most innocent, the ones that cannot speak for themselves, they need us. Everyone else can defend themselves. By the way, I'm pro-life for the whole life, one to two. But everyone else already here capable of defending themselves. But they cannot do it yet. We have to do it for them. Because abortion is the biggest injustice of our lifetime. And now abortion is not only, contrary to what people think, that abortion only happens to a teenager, to a woman in desperate situation. No, 80% of abortion are because, oops, I don't want to be pregnant. You know, most people think that abortions are happening just early on when they still can't feel anything. Babies can't feel pain after 10 weeks. And now the new legislation are pushing abortion up to nine months. New Mexico has been doing it for over three years. And no one knew this. I didn't know that, and I work for Planned Parenthood. So when we hear them that they're pushing abortion up to full term, how is that healthcare? How is that empowering women? And then when we hear that over 55% of the abortions are actually women to be born in the world. How is that empowering women? They're killing us inside the womb. That's not empowering women. God is empowering women. When the majority of the pro-life women are abortion survivors and women that have been through that darkness. And we're saved by his mercy. And we're saved by his love. I was saved by his love. And he showed me that love through all of you, through the pro-life community, through my church. And that's why I'm back. I'm back in the right path, what he always wanted me to be. Thomas, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you for all the prayers. Please don't stop. Please keep praying. Even I'm going to ask for one special thing today. Please pray for Dr. X. Please, please pray that God will do the miracle that he's only capable of doing on him. And he stops. You have no idea how long it took me to ask to pray for him. 
Because even today, I still remember his face when he referred to the baby head as trash. I can see his face. I can hear the tone of his voice of how it just bothered him that I had brought that up. So for me to ask you, but only God has done that work on my soul to be, to forgive him. So I want you to pray for him, even though he's been in your town for over 20 years harming women, we really need to pray for him. Thank you so much for being here today. May God bless you all. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.